Welcome back, everybody, to Overdue Rentals, where we talk about films that didn't get enough attention when they first came out, or maybe even were big award winners, but nobody talks about them anymore. I'm Matthew Shuckman. I'm Mike Reyes. And today we're going to be joined by the wonderful Trace Blue from, again, the wonderful Mystery Science Theater 3000, the original, well, not the original Dr. Forster. He was Dr. Forster, but the original voice of Crow. Oh my God, so great to have Trace here. And we're going to be talking about the 2012 version of Dread. You know, it's kind of interesting that we got both Trace and Frank to do 2012 movies. Yeah, I mean, and luck of the draw. It was pure coincidence. Yeah. And in the case of Dread, uh, it is not to be confused with Judge Dread, which is the Sylvester Stallone mega blockbuster of the same source material. But Dread is the Carl Urban version where on an eventful day in Mega City One, Judge Dredd is being shadowed by a rookie that may potentially become a judge herself. And she picks the worst day to have her first day on the job as Mama and her clan take over a tower block to basically deal out their own special brand of justice. And uh, I know a lot of people are going to say, wait, isn't that the raid? All right, well, I'll table it for later, but it is one of those things like, no, it's not the raid. They did not rip off each other. They just happened to happen at the same time. That's all I'm going to say about that. And, and the raid wasn't the first movie ever to take place in one location, no. uh, even being a building block or not. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it had such presence with the world that I'm sure people now all can compare everything to the raid when it comes to that. Yeah, well, the raid was the, you know, that was the mouse that won, so to speak. But yeah, no, it's, this, is, uh, this is definitely, this is, then uh, this is a film that I actually missed when it came out and definitely hadn't watched until we were preparing for this episode. So this is, this is a, you know, a, a brand new experience for me. Whereas the moment this thing hit DVD, I missed it in theater. So the moment this thing hit oh. DVD, I rented it. I rented it because I had to see it because I, even for its own quirky derpy charms, I had fun with the original Judge Dredd. But looking at the trailer for this one, and hearing all the like internet buzz was like, wow, man, this, I, I need to see this. So, and so it was the buzz that made you see it, not necessarily, you didn't have plans to see it in the theater ever. I, I did have the plan, but a plan to see it in the theater. But the thing was, there were so many things that I wanted to see in the theater. I wasn't a pro film critic at that point. So I really didn't you. have as much time and as much drive to sort of get out to them. Well, I had the drive, but just for some reason, I didn't have the opportunity to go see it. Yeah. But I think I did. I did see John Carter that year, and that's another one I'll defend. But you know, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. We we keep, you keep talking about this, and we'll have to have this defense come out at some point or another. I, I, <laughs> that's a whole other discussion because also I hardly remember. I saw it at my press screening, uh, and that was it. That was the, I saw it at the press screening. I actually, I actually took a date to it, <laughs> um, and after that, I never thought about it ever again. But yeah, no, I think I think Dread was a very interesting choice because. You know, we'll talk about it a little later, but, you know, there was a lot of buzz for how shocked people were with how good the movie was. Um, so I'll, I'll get into my thoughts a little later on, but it seems like that perfect fit for Overdue Rentals because, yeah, people, people were in love with it. People said all these great things about it, but it didn't seem to go anywhere. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll save it for the discussion proper because I think it's about time we, we let Trace in, but... Yeah. There was definitely a, a groundswell when it came to the home. But anyway, uh, I see Trace is ready to join us. Shall we do this? Yeah, we'll flip the open sign. You can come on in. Thank you so much for joining us here on Overdue Rentals. It's amazing to have you here. Thank you. 
Oh, thanks for having me. This is this is fun, and I'm uh, glad we're talking about uh, an important film. I like I like got the comic book. I got into the comic book um, back in I guess the '80s. Uh, Eagle released it again in this country because I didn't know anything about you know uh, the magazine it came from and 2000 AD or any of that stuff. But I was a big fan of Judge Dredd and also Strontium Dog, which uh, is something else that someone needs to make a movie about. Uh, but I, you know, I was so excited when the first Dread came out, Judge Dread with Stallone, and there was so much hype and build up to it because we didn't know who was going to be Judge Dread, and there was like talk of Clint Eastwood, and it's like it's all about the chin with with Dread, uh, and I, I guess that would have been cool too because he was kind of based on Dirty Harry, the the comic book character, uh, and then well, I really liked the first movie. Uh, for its design there's some cool stuff going on but it it gets it just gets silly um so if you could take judge dread the film and smash it into dread the film i think it would be closer to the comic book iteration but i think dread is a superior film there i've said it i've gone on record come at me such a controversial stance thank you for for being so brave <laughs> i'm not brave coward really but get to me. but it, it, i remember like when the early days of when the second dread was announced like i think everyone still kind of had that anticipation but also that fear yes yes that first that first stallone it's like you, you could tell that that was very much uh we want to make this our movie and mm -hmm. not judge dread no no one knows judge dread i mean it's it's a name it'll bring people but stallone yes so you go into dread and it's like Okay, Carl Urban. I remember him from Star Trek and, and Lord of the Rings. Are they, are they really are, are they going to put us through that again? Where it's like, you know, Carl Urban yeah. is the name, but even he wasn't technically a huge name. Like he's he's a great character actor, but he wasn't like it wasn't like Orlando Bloom was playing Dread. Yeah, yeah, no, I and I think it was a great choice because I I, I think even though the first one I think had to have Stallone to get made in this country. Yeah, uh, that it, this guy's just a working, working guy. You know, he's he's a judge, but you know, he's still like you felt like he's kind of like punching a time card. Uh, at least in the in in the comic book uh, versions, it, it seemed more like um, kind of old, kind of like film noir, kind of interlaced with a lot of political satire and stuff that was going on at the time in Britain. Uh, which reading the comic books, I had no idea. It's like, oh, Margaret Thatcher is just another comic book character. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, you know, because you're talking about the character being, you know, kind of this working guy. Yeah, he's a judge, but he's a working guy. And that's what's interesting about this version of it, because he does have that persona that maybe they tried to push along a little bit in the Stallone version where he's, you know, this thing to be feared. But it's not like he's the one and only yeah. We may go into that knowing it because that's what we feel in the movie's called Dread, but he really is not that superhero compared to the rest of the world that he may have been in the Stallone version. Yeah, yeah. He's not even a, a, one of the, uh, what did they call the uh, extrasensory perception cops? The yeah. uh, PSI or something like that? Uh, yeah, he's just, he's logging in. Uh, but he's, and I, backtrack a little bit, I like that they didn't do an origin story. We got enough backstory. I don't think you needed to 
be familiar with the comic book or even the first movie. Uh, but then I would question, what the hell are you doing watching it? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I liked him. I just liked uh, that he's just an every guy. And uh, this is just one cop in mega city. And, you know, some are bad, some are good. Um, and and he's I kind of he's got a moral center. He's got you know he's got his rules, but he also uh, admires the uh, rookie cop uh, a lot and and her decisions. But, and then there's just a lot of cool stuff. There's just visually, I didn't see this in 3D, but I think it was released in 3D, wasn't it? Um, and that must have been stunning. Yeah. I heard wonderful raves about the 3D and that was something I actually wanted to ask you because that's, uh, you know, we, we always, always like to go into like the first experience with this movie for, you know, both ourselves and our guests. And I just heard that 3D was in an era that loved to overuse it. It was one of the top drawer mm -hmm. conversions I heard. Yeah, that's, I wish I, I guess now I'll have to go to a screening once theaters open up, maybe someone will run this run them back to back that's what i think <laughs> uh but yeah the first time i saw it i think was on netflix or it certainly wasn't cable it was online somewhere and i went oh i and and i was looking for it because i'd missed it in the theater hmm. uh, and this but, became a huge netflix hit too yeah yeah it, i think that's uh like the phenomenon that happened with films on hbo in the 80s where he would i mean some films were made you know, by the number of times you saw them on HBO. And I think it's kind of the same way with this film and Netflix. Just it got its, you know, it, it got it, its audience. That's actually the like kind of genesis for this show is that idea that there were so many movies that like would be on HBO every day when we were kids. They may not even been great movies, but since yeah. they were on all the time, you watched them and had these fond memories of them and nobody talks about them anymore. They seem to have like kind of fallen into the ether. That's actually kind of, yeah, that's, that's our premise in essence. <laughs> uh, a great example, and you guys know this movie, is Roadhouse, you know? Oh, yeah. It, it was super saturation on cable, and it probably would have come and gone with, you know, just word of mouth being able to talk about it. Uh, but I love those movies. Yeah, and, and I, I think this, this is kind of that version, yeah. What I like about the style, though, in this, too, is it, it kind of not necessarily turns things on its head, but you know, you're so used to seeing the slow-mo and the action films and the idea of it being somebody's adrenaline and they move faster, so everything moves slower, but it has this drug that takes the opposite. It's actually all these people who are drugged out and it's how they're witnessing things. And it kind of brings a new breath into that idea. So it's not just using slow motion for slow motion's sake. It's got kind of a backstory to it. Yeah, yeah, it's almost a character. The drug is uh, slow-mo. Uh and some of the coolest uh, sequences in the movie. Uh, but that's not, you know, that's not the whole reason for the film. The whole thing is yeah. visually just gorgeous. Uh, if you, the amount of destruction in this thing uh, is kind of amazing, but I, I love the setting. It's like, it, 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 it's very economical. It seems like to tell the story in this apartment block. And then you, you know, you pull back and you see there are thousands of these things everywhere. I mean, uh, has has there been talk of like this being a series like uh, Amazon or one of those? It's touch and go. There's been rumors over time, 
but there and like fan pushes obviously because that's like you know the new thing now if a movie is underappreciated the internet rallies behind it and says hey why don't we do a sequel or i think they when it was a hit on netflix everyone was like hey why don't you do a netflix series and nothing concrete has come from it which is an absolute shame yeah it it kind of needs like the mandalorian treatment only darker yeah no i I think that would be a cool way to do it i wonder if there's a studio head somewhere though that's going especially now you know whether or not you can look past and understand what's really trying to be said they usually see a character who's like a cop in essence who is doing what he wants and in you know the climate we're living in social climate living in now they may say maybe we have to wait on this or maybe it's not going to happen that's a great point uh cops in this country are not really uh uh, heroes of stuff as much as they were back in the day uh a strong contrast cop uh vehicle to dread would be wellington paranormal and it's coming to the u.s I think on Hulu or one of those things. Probably. I thought uh, I heard that. Absolutely fantastic show and a complete different take on policing. Uh, and the kind of cops you want to encounter. Uh, but a uh, very funny show. Uh, if you get a chance to see it, I highly recommend it. Uh, as and, and very not dread. It's couldn't be farther from dread. Although there are aliens and zombies and vampires and werewolves and all kinds of cool stuff. But just even like the the standard action cliches of people getting shot, not only does Dread show you actual bullets like penetrating skin, it's just some of the gore in this movie is even just transcendent in how it looks. Like even people splatting on pavement. Yeah. It's like a work of art. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it it really does approach violence in a much more it's almost fetish kind of rendering, almost more than you know it's like photorealistic close up. Uh, it just really makes you confront how like really awful that is, but also kind of beautiful. Uh, and I, I'd never seen that in a in a film before. Uh, especially the slow-mo effects. And it's like, wow, that is just damaging. That is, I think there was a video game called Sniper that had a similar like gore Sniper, factor. Sniper Elite, where you like watch the bullet go through the body. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've never played it, but I've seen the the, uh, the teasers for it. And it's like, okay, wow. The blood in this, especially too, I think there's, it, it found this middle ground where it actually felt like they were going in an almost cartoonish sense, but yeah, but they pulled it back and it wasn't fake and it wasn't, you know, overblown, but in the same breath, it, it, it found a place where it wasn't too realistic. So it didn't make it, even though it's technically gory or grotesque, what some people may call, it wasn't like overblown compared to some other movies you may see nowadays. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and I, I still think kind of, for me, very reminiscent to the comic book uh, of how, and, you know, translating from th- something from the comic book is always hard visually. You know, are you just going to tell a regular movie or are you going to try to do something stylized like the comic book? Hmm. And I really like that approach in this film that they, you know, they did something different and they used the medium, they, the, the visual, you know, uh, landscape was such more, so much more effective. Um, but I, I'd still like to see some of the characters from, uh, 
the comic book, like the ABC Warrior and the uh, the other judges, you know, and the Cursed Earth. And uh, who are the brothers that uh, someone will know? But yeah, there's there's so many great characters in the comic book that we haven't seen. I don't know how they'd weave them into this more urban uh, dread, more Carl urban. Yeah, I was about to say. why? Why? <laughs> Unintended. I don't know. Well, th this is definitely, uh, as you had brought up the original uh, Judge Dredd, this was definitely a more grounded sort of thing where, you know, I remember they sort of went into the cursed earth and the mutants mm -hmm. and yeah. you know, more of the sensationalized aspects in that, you know, blockbuster version. And then in this one, it's very, like, very grounded. Yeah. And very much like there's still mutants and there's still, you know, this very much, you know, sort of jackbooted authority. And it's not played up for, you know, Versace designed uh, outfits. I forget who designed the outfits in Jesuit. I know it was yeah. like a fashion designer or something, but it wasn't like, you know, fetishistically designed outfits and gigantic badges. It was very much, a, a lot of people compared it to the raid because not only was it out around the same time. Oh yeah. They were so close that people thought, oh, one movie ripped off the other. It's like, no, this was just happy coincidence. Yeah. And plus this was in the early days of the comic craze. So you could just imagine someone greenlit it because it's like, okay, this is a comic book. Mm -hmm. We need to get as many comic book movies as we can out there because it might be the next Avengers. It, yeah. And this is the same summer as the Avengers. So that probably kind of dinged it up a little bit. Yeah. I think I went to the Avengers and, and uh, I didn't see Dread in the theater, which was a big mistake. <laughs> I mean, I love the Avengers, but it's yeah. it's a different, yeah. you know, it's a different. Uh, they need their money. Yeah, yeah, they don't need. I have that on DVD. I have Dread too. So, so I was this afternoon. I was going. Hey, I wonder if I can see it. Oh, I got to pay to watch it, and then it wasn't available. You know how you click, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. nope. So physical media, folks. I actually I have a Hulu subscription because it is streaming on Hulu right now. That's I rewatched it last night via that and. Um, you know, it, it was it was it was good to have uh, that that availability for me because I actually this is this is one of those movies that I actually hadn't seen until we were getting ready to talk about this. I missed it when it came out, and I took oh, my wow. time catching up on it. So it's, this is fresh for me. Oh, good, good. That did, did you uh, enjoy it? What was what was your take? Your fresh take? My fresh. I mean, I'm I'm definitely you know middle ground as far. I mean, I'm more on a positive level, but I'm still middle ground. I think there's a lot again, like Mike was saying people probably may think that one was ripping off the other when it came to the raid, but there's no way the raid came out a year prior. There's mm -hmm. no way that movie came out. Somebody wrote a script and then they got dread out yeah. in a year and it being the same thing, but being coming into it now at a later date, I'm like, I'm not thinking that they're ripping each other off or anything like that, but I'm like, Oh, this is like if assault on precinct 13 was the raid, Oh, yeah. uh, this is what we get. And that's kind of going through my mind. And that's mm -hmm. kind of where I started sitting and, enveloping things that's kind of where my thought process blew, blossomed out from yeah that makes sense um i don't know the raid as well um i think i only saw that once but uh i will have to go back and take a look raid's a great movie um you know and that's just again just for great fun out of the box action mm -hmm. but that's what you're watching the raid for you're watching it for these elongated action pieces Dread's not sitting there and and he's telling it's telling more of a story. So you're not sitting there watching uh just 
overdrawn action sequences. You know, they're just kind of little set pieces here, back to the story. Set piece here, back to the story. Uh, so it's got much more of a flow to it than the raid, I would say. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. But it's definitely got that relentless pacing to it as well. Like you're on a, you're on sort of a ticking clock through dread. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I think there's, it's interesting too, though, because it's a movie where you're, you were talking about earlier, uh, Mike, about the idea that, you know, or uh, somebody said there's gotta be a comic movie. Let's get all these comic book movies out there, but it's also a script written by Alice Garland who mm -hmm. knows what he's doing and has, Basically, I mean, whether you like them or not, you can't say he's ever written a film that's been trash. So I wonder how much of his influence got this made as well. Well, depending on who you talk to, it was his directorial debut because mm. he exerted a lot of influence in the editing room, apparently. Hmm. News to me. I did not know. Everything's news to me, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I, I was very interested also in the fact that for as much as anybody may love or loathe the Stallone version, I wonder how many people saw this movie coming out and that's all they thought about was the Stallone version and that may have turned them off from maybe going to see Dread and kept it from being a bigger box office smash, let's say. I, You know, I think you're right because that did have a trail, a stink trail to it for, and it still does. Um, uh, and I guess I consider myself more of a hardcore Dread fan knowing the comics uh but not knowing a great deal about you know the behind the scenes of making these things mm. uh that uh I, I i was skeptical i was really you know we talked about that earlier where you know it could be good could be bad could be like you know like uh when they redid uh, hellboy yeah um it, it kind of felt that same apprehensive sort of are you gonna do this right or not or has it been done right or not? Or, you know, there's still the comic books that you can go back to. Um, but yeah, I, I, I still think that if you could combine the two movies uh, somehow, uh, th then I would be, I, I'll never be happy. Why should I say that? I'm not sure <laughs> well, that, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were saving that for like dread two, mm -hmm. like I'm sure this was one of those things where it's like, okay, we've only got like forty something, or we've got like a, a medium, we got like a medium sized budget here. We've got an R rating. They're they're only gonna let us off the leash so much, but when we get to dread two, yeah, ooh, like Judge Death or something like all the other like really cool stuff would be let out to play. Like yeah. this must have been their baseline for like a potential franchise. That would be cool. Have Del Toro, you know, do the next one. I think that would be amazing. Um, if you're going to have Judge Dread or uh, Judge Death, you have to have uh, Doug Jones play him. True, very true. He is a very unnatural man in the best possible way. Yeah, he's played some amazing characters. But I wonder if if that was. I mean, yeah, I do believe there. This had to have been a plan to turn it finally into a series, but. I think at this point, it would have to be something like you said earlier, Trace, of them bringing it into one of these streaming services as a show, because granted, you can make a movie and then wait 10 years or, you know, we've seen now sequels coming out 30 years later. Yeah. But I think in the, in the Hollywood's way of planning things, that sequel would have been out by now. And yes. if we didn't yeah. see it means that something went amiss. Yeah, it's, you know, and it's a, an expensive thing to do. You got to create the entire world. Uh, and if you're going to get into the the 
weirder stuff with the mutants and all of that. I mean, it's, you know, it's got to be incredibly expensive. Uh, but, you know, there aren't they redoing like the, the Lord of the Rings as a series and uh, Hitchhiker's Guide is coming out as a series. Well, I mean, uh, I think the Lord of the Rings one is like they're trying to like play it off as like circumstances that were on the side. You know, I don't know if they were coming from the, the Rings books or the, the Similarian or something else, but they, they keep claiming that it's not going to be just the generic Rings story told to you again. Oh, it's just yeah sort of the same world but different characters or yeah yeah like i think it's some sort of middle era between isildur having the ring and then the lord the the lord of the rings trilogy hmm. will it will it have jar jar in it is that coming back? oh it has to yeah it obviously has to jar jar is so important to tolkien's lore <laughs> people are going what are you talking about get the old they're man. like that's not jar jar that's tom bombadil Oh, Tom, Tom, Tom Bombadil will be in there because fans freaked out he wasn't in the in, in the Jackson movies. Yeah, let's gonna, open that be bag of worms. Huh? The Bombadil <laughs> bag of worms. My wife's still angry about that. <laughs> Who? Oh, I'm still trying to learn the, the, their names, the, yeah. all the dwarves. Bilfer, Bomfer, <laughs> Bofer, Boffer. I, I remember Feely and Keely. Because I can't Thor remember. So, yeah. That's it. Feely, Keely, Mealy, Peely. I don't know. Quibby. Yeah, that's why Dread is easy. It's Dread. Just Dread. They're all judges. <laughs> Very easy. And in the same breath, though, I think it's interesting, though, because while we can't remember the names of those characters, I think it's the exact same thing for keeping things from being a big box office draw, because people know Carl Urban, yes. but he's not the household name. Nope. nope. So where, where does that make it fit? Is And again, a movie where I like the fact that they don't make him have to take off the helmet, but there are probably people waiting for it, like, take off the helmet, take off the helmet. He does it, and they get disappointed. Yeah, yeah. No, it's the same uh, Mandalorian deal, you know? Can't take off your helmet. Um, I think that's pretty cool that they stayed true to that. Uh, Stallone, you could never get away with that with a major movie star. He said, we want, we're paying for his face. We need to see his face. To the point where you buy the DVD and it's him there holding the gun, like I think next to the helmet or something. And it's like, yeah, that's that's totally what I think of when I see Judge Dredd. Yeah, but you know, you gotta. I don't know how else you, you do it unless in Judge Dredd's apartment that he just have all pictures of himself with without his mask on. Or there's a. Oh, see, I was I was imagining just pictures of himself with the mask on. I thought <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's grilling and it's like kiss the judge on the apron and it's him just scowling <laughs> while he's flipping a burger. Getting together with Darth Vader. Hey, how's it going? I don't know. <laughs> Are you happy or sad? I can't tell. Well, I think it's funny too, because Mike, you were talking about earlier the idea of them having like the, the large badges on there on the on the on the uh, the uniform. And you know, I don't I never actually read the comics. I don't know if that was part of it, but I at first I was just like oh, wow, you know, like, that's a little too much. But then you realize they're all wearing the same exact thing. That's the only way they're going to be able to identify each other. Yeah, yeah. It, it is, uh, depending on who's drawing the comic, some of that gets more, you know, accentuated. Uh, I always thought that was weird. You know, it's just this big, you know, these iron things or whatever on your, on your costume. And it's like, that's got to be difficult to move around in. But uh, I recommend the comic books if you can get your hands on them. Uh, the artwork is fantastic. That's what brought me in mm. uh, uh, when Wagner and uh, 
Esqueras, I think is how you pronounce his name, the artist, Carlos, uh, who did that. And also Strontium Dog, which is also cool, um, which I think only exists in radio play form, hmm. as far as I know. But that would be a fantastic sci-fi mutant world to uh, spend a lot of money making. <laughs> That's really how you have to do it with these things, because this conversation just reminds me that I kind of felt the same way you did, Trace, that watching Dread, it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's very gritty and realistic. But at the same time, the source material is just so in your face with this sort of rampant future with everything, with politics, consumerism and recycled food. Yeah. All this stuff is supposed to be jumping out at you. And it really doesn't with dread. Yeah, no, it's it's a very subdued film, uh, compare comparatively. Um, it yeah, like I said, it's like uh, you know, kind of a a detective, you know, kind of a film noir, B film noir from the fifties. You know, that would be a cool version. Someone should do the fan cut, the black and white fan oh. cut of dread in the fifties. And he's got fifties technology for his gun he's riding an old motorcycle that he brought back from the war or something why do i give away ideas like this i don't know man i don't know we'll put a big bleep through that part so they don't know yeah. about it and then when Actually, it happens we'll credit you with it yeah go ahead and make it because i want to see that <laughs> i actually i was just thinking about this and this is now kind of going back to originally my thoughts on watching the film finally for the first time because as i'm watching it i wasn't thinking though specifically about the original film or the character alone so when you get to the parts where it's finally him going, I am the law, it's like, oh, you know, they did that nicely. It felt yeah. natural. You don't have to worry about it. But I think for a film that is not top tier drama, like award winner, it had, I think, one of the best ending lines in a long time. Because I love their play on the terminology, she's a pass. Mm, because yeah. it, it, plays, it, it plays on the idea that she's not coming back and him not kind of mentioning that to his superiors i love that it was great yeah yeah it's uh the whole thing was kind of a shakedown training mission it was pretty cool you know and it's just another day for him yeah yeah i got shot through a pillar and through my body but i'm i think i'll be okay i'm gonna be okay punch out for me i can't get to the <laughs> you you know i'm good for it yeah this is a streamlined as hell movie like there is no no slow points, no no extraneous sort of material to it, at, at least how I see it. It just very much is point A to point B with this relentless pace. And then uh, going back to that one, the one kill earlier when he uses the hot shot round, that's another fantastic moment of dialogue and Dirty Harry influence. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, right, hot shot. I said, hot shot. And just, oh man. Yeah. Literally I, I like that they don't explain that because, you know, coming in cold to that film, you don't know what that gun can do or how he relates to it or, you know, even the lawgiver, how all of those, all the tech, they didn't have to go and explain it all. Yeah. Uh, it was in a courtroom scene where it's like, this this round was DNA coded to him. He did it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, there's some, and uh, yeah, the visuals are just stunning. Uh, that whole sequence where, where they have the giant machine gun thing, which that's how much I know about stuff is machine gun thing. 
(laughs) It's relentless. It's just amazing. Also, to your point about them not explaining things, it's just like when Wood Harris tries to use her gun, they don't have to, she doesn't have to go up and say, you didn't know what happened if you tried to use a judge's gun or something like that. You just know. Yeah. 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 I appreciate that when people don't stop the film to explain what they're doing. It, uh, it, it gives the audience a little bit something to do. That's back to exposition being the broccoli, which is what we, uh, we discussed on our last episode. It, it is the broccoli, except I like broccoli sometimes. Uh, yes. Exactly. That's what we mean. Yes. Yeah. It's something that you need and it's something that you can like. Yeah, but it's put still a lot a of butter on it. Oh. oh, yes. Well, because we, we brought this up with Frank and Frank chose cheese sauce. Uh, well, I can't argue with that. Uh, no, just, you, there's no wrong. Well, there's very few wrong things you can put on top of broccoli. I would not put chocolate on broccoli. And you shouldn't put broccoli on pizza. I, I all right. I'm a pizza purist. I think pizza should just be a plain cheese slice. Doesn't mean I never got anything on top of pizza before and I won't in the future. But for me to enjoy it and think to judge it, it's gotta be a plain slice. However, I will sometimes get chicken and broccoli on a slice once in a while. What? No, what part of the country are are you in? (laughs) Because this is important. This is important. What what part of the country are you in? I'm I'm in Queens. You're in Queens. Okay, so it's New York pizza. Yeah. You're having New York pizza. Okay. I'm not going to argue with a New York pizza guy. Okay. I had broccoli on pizza once in New York and I will never have it again. Not even as good as it is in New York. Broccoli. Yeah. I, I look, I'm not going to, I'm not the type of person who's going to yell. I find the whole argument over. I mean, I, I don't get pineapple on pizza, but I get, I find that whole argument now crazy because this is again, just like the premise of our show because People have all of a sudden thought that putting pineapple on pizza is a new thing. Hawaiian pizza has been a thing for a very long time. Just like people in America are just now discovering boba tea. doesn't mean it didn't exist for a very long time, and it confuses me. (laughs) Yeah, it's just on trend now. Yeah, yeah. It's like bacon had its day, and there's still some kind of drizzles of bacon, you know, pop culture. But yeah, it's done. (laughs) But yeah, much like that that broccoli exposition, something where... You need it, you like it, because I don't mind exposition dumps if they're done right. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. It has to be done right. right you need right. to earn that, that moment. Yeah, like broccoli and quinoa. I didn't think of, hey, that's great. It's healthier and it's cleaner and it got me to the same place. There you go. Shitting my brains out, I think, is what I did. <laughs> <laughs> what is this about Justice League? <laughs> oh now now the theatrical cut the theatrical cut i tried to watch the 40 hour whatever i couldn't it's like it's the same movie they didn't like make another movie it's the same dumb thing yeah i mean i don't know why people expected it to, i mean granted people are going to say it's a, it's a little bit better and so they're going to enjoy it more like that but i don't know why anybody expected it to be a completely other film it's very confusing to me yeah, this regurgitated broccoli is still good. <laughs> well, they they put so much they did put so much back into that four hour cut, and I I mean I'll admit it I, I the big pro, uh, impetus for me to watch it was it was an assignment, mm, but yeah. I was excited to see what they did, and I'm surprised how well that four hours flew through in my mind. But you know that's a whole another topic for a whole another day. 
yeah, actually, Mike, I, I think later I, I have to talk to you about something because there's something actually maybe we'll talk about it real quick if everybody's OK with it. Oh, absolutely. Because I am not I am not a big Zack Snyder f- fan personally. I'm not saying there are certain things he's done in certain films that I've enjoyed, but I don't he's one of those people that I would never consider a great or even good director in my mind. And there's something in the four hour version of Justice League that confuses the hell out of me and it pinpoints how I feel about it. There's a scene early on where it's following Lois Lane, where it's pouring rain, playing a Leonard Cohen song. And uh, one of those news vans pass by, throws paper on the, throws a newspaper on the sidewalk and it focuses on the headline. The headline says something about Manhattan, very specifically Manhattan architect or architecture firm looking for new boss or CEO, something along those lines. But Manhattan architecture firm or Manhattan architecture building, that's what it is immediately cuts that scene of Wonder Woman in London in what seems to be that bank heist uh, thing where they're going to blow it up for a, uh, yeah. for shits and giggles. Um, and that whole Manhattan, I don't know why it's not Gotham or Metropolis, that whole Manhattan architect thing never comes into play ever. Why is it there? <laughs> I think it's his reference to the Fountainhead because he was supposed to do a feature film version of the Fountainhead at one point. Oh, and great. that was just that wasn't meant to be an important plot point. It's just ah, a little Easter egg. So that was little self indulgence. They, they, they zoom in on it as much as I like Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder is self indulgent. Yeah, uh, and I almost I, wonder what his dread would look like. I think uh, information in films should only be given that way by a stack of newspapers being tossed off of a truck <laughs> in the rain and landing at the feet of the character that needs like. You know, it's like even The Godfather. You know, they just do it with Michael. Come here. I saw in the newsstand, and then they find out his father's been killed. It's like there must be um, like a, a, a newspaper printing company that just prints on the hour. You know, and specifically <laughs> to one reader. That is why the business is going bankrupt. Guys, they're on scene five. Print the headline. <laughs> yeah, drop it at. Wait, it didn't get dropped at my feet in the rain. <laughs> I don't understand. Or you could uh, actually see the paper going through the press still. Yeah. Which which is still a classic because then we'll have to get the spinning newspaper headline come up to us as it's printing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And even though it's all online, uh, how about someone's laptop spinning? Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Orson Welles, you spoiled us. <laughs> This film takes place in 1997, a big CRT monitor spinning. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, you can't stop it. The mass is too great. CRT. <laughs> it's a CRT is what I'm pointing out. Massive. I think as much as this is great, and I would like to go on, I think we should get back to Dread, though, because I also have, I don't want to assume and push my own thought process onto something I have no idea about. But because the film is, it's Dread, but really, it's kind of the story of Olivia Thurby's, Thurlby's character, who's, who's the rookie. Mm-hmm. And I always find it very interesting because I thought, I think she's a great actress, but you don't see her in stuff a lot. And I feel like she may, I, in my head, I built the story that she's one of these actresses that wouldn't do something a producer said, which is why we don't see her as much because somebody's trying to suffocate her career. I have no clue if that's the case or not. Oh, but that could be, yeah. I'd never seen her in big things like this. So to finally see her in something like this, I was like, wow, how come we don't see her more? And that's, that's what goes through my head. The sequel should be about her character. Yeah. That would be, you know, what's her next, her next uh, mission or assignment or 
day at the office. Oh yeah, that makes total sense. And to answer your point, Matt, I think she always stuck to a lot of indie or indie adjacent stuff. And I I don't know if she ever really had the taste to sort of branch out in one of the into the one of the bigger franchises, which you know, this is the same era where if things shook out differently, we would have had Emily Blunt in Black Widow. Yeah, well. I, I very could be the fact that that's what her preference is. And I think that, I think it is, but in the same breath, if that's the case, why my mind kind of veers off to that thought process is because if that is her, her goal, I'm not saying you can't take a role in a big action film, but like we're all saying, this probably was originally going to be multiple films. She didn't hmm. have to come back. She may have come back. Yeah. So it, it kind of makes my mind start to wander. Hmm. Oh, definitely. And especially just as, uh, Cassandra, correct? I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm getting the, the character right here. Cassandra? I actually can't even remember her name now. Well, <laughs> if only I guess there was a device of some sort where you can... <laughs> Judge you Anderson. We'll go with Judge, Judge Anderson. Anderson. So, that's right. What is this? Her... All right, let me see. <laughs> Cassandra Anderson, right, because <laughs> that's uh, that is a, a very good shorthand for your character who can see things and manipulate with, with their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Seeing her play mind games with people was one of the coolest things in this, where you take this maybe even as so far as 10 years prior to when it was made, she would have been intimidated by by their prisoner. And she would have been like, oh, well, she would have been very unsure. And then eventually she gets that redemption. She gets the Mm one-liner. They dispose with that entirely with this, where she's still a rookie. She's still very much green. But she's not taking anyone's shit. Yeah, yeah. And the way that he messes with that guy's mind, and then just all of a sudden he sees Mama right in front of him and just freaks him out. That that still sticks with me as just one of those moments that really was like, okay, you're you're trying not to be too cliched with this. You're 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 showing a rookie, but you're giving her some moves of her own. Yeah, she's a rookie cop, but she grew up in one of those. Like peach tree, she grew. There's a, a line of dialogue where you know she talks about growing up in one, and if you know she had to negotiate that from childhood, you know that place. Uh, she's learned some tricks uh, with with uh, dealing with those g those jerks. So I, I I like the character a lot. I I you know even some way to get that as her story for the next one would be very cool. Well, I think there's there's a there's a point where they're trying to again, with not having to do deal with exposition, not even implying it, they're talking about looking where her trajectory went compared to Mama, where Lena Headey went, where she comes, you know, Lena becomes this massive kingpin, mm-hmm. and and here's Cassandra, who's now just starting off her life as a as a rookie, but going in that opposite direction. The availability for what's there for people who didn't have all the riches to start off with. Yeah, yeah, and I. I great evil character by the way yeah uh, just absolutely and domino gleason as the yeah the, the tech guy the guy in the chair he's awesome uh in this um everyone's great it's a great cast yeah um it is kind of like a big budget indie film you know in a lot of ways uh and and I, I hope it's gaining more audience uh, as you say it's 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 on Hulu now and it's been on uh, every platform 
except when I try to watch it. So. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait, Trish Below is trying to watch this movie. I don't know if we should let him see this. Uh, I've had films expire on me while I've been watching them. Uh. It's like, I, uh, sidebar, um, uh, Superfly, a uh, film from the 70s, great soundtrack, absolutely fantastic. Curtis Mayfield, my favorite. Yep. Uh, I had never seen the film. I was too young to see it in the 70s. Uh, so finally, oh, Netflix. I can watch this. I can figure out what it's all about. Not a great movie, but it's okay. Cut off before the ending. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if they blew up the Death Star or what's going on. They, you know. I didn't I didn't know they do that. I thought I thought if you were just in process, it would just still go until you finished it. I, that's amazing. I, I, I don't know what I did, but it's like I stopped and then i came back and it was gone so wow yeah that's the worst thing that could happen to anybody really literally deleted from the server scary yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know because you know somewhere somewhere back there there's somebody with a code they could just hit the button and it's still there just like now it's available so they just like no take right. it throw it away yeah yeah i was excited because i found it on uh amazon prime uh this afternoon but it wouldn't play for some reason so back to the old oh. DVD, fire up the Victrola. And that was another reason that this movie even persisted in the first place, because before it was a streaming hit, this was, I think when it went to, when it first went to Blu-ray and DVD, it was like a number one, like with a bullet. Oh, and really? that kind of started the ball rolling with, yeah. you know, it was one of those last couple of movies where you could discover it on home video, but it was at the, it was at a cycle a point in the cycle where basically that didn't guarantee you another one because that's what they kept saying stopped Hellboy 3 from happening it's like well you know the market that helped get Hellboy 2 made was people yeah. going to it on home video that market's drying up yeah yeah that's why we have what four um starship troopers uh oh yeah there's all those all those direct to video classics yeah. i would pay to see or make happen a dread direct the video i would i would pay to see the stage version the musical version <laughs> yeah oh that that's really the only place they can go to now they have the the big blockbuster they have the gritty reboot mm -hmm. now it's a musical phase i am yes. the law i am the law <laughs> law giver <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the show stopping number is of course hot shot Ooh, and you've got like a whole bunch of like a choir of dancing performers and they're all like each or each dressed as a round and they hit the guy in like random succession so he finally just falls down giving away ideas they're just falling out of the ethos podcasts were a bad idea <laughs> yeah all these hollywood executives listening in oh, did you hear that idea <laughs> It's Dread. Guys, Dread's hot. We got to do this. You, know, you guys like to talk about the hot shot thing, but I, I, I geared more toward the, uh, the, the heavy explosive round that hits the other judge in the head. Because when, oh, yes. when I was younger, my father and I used to have horror film festival Saturdays. Like no matter what happened, if I came home late or I was not going out, we just always watch whether it be B grade, Z grade, A grade horror films. And we'd rate head explosions. <laughs> That one goes high up there. That that is pretty great. Um, oh, you know where there's some good head explosions in. Oh, I'm sorry, but it's Zack Snyder. Um, Army of the Dead. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Yeah, th there's some pretty good splattery 
stuff in there. My hit, my hidden one is Dust Devil from '95. Ooh, I don't know 95? that movie. Uh, Richard, why can't I remember Richard's last name? Richard you know, Stanley. Richard, thank you, Richard Stanley. There's a there's a really like out of nowhere head explosion at the end of that one that's fantastic. And then of course you can't beat like the OG classic David Cronenberg scanner. That's oh, where it all course. starts from. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you judge everything based on scanners. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. I can't think of another good head explodey movie. That's a film festival of, of yeah. good head exploding. Well, Judge Dread has another good one where I where I think Cassandra hits a guy right under the chin and it came out of nowhere. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, there's some uh, some gruesome stuff in the film. Yes. Don't bring the kids. Oh yeah, or bring them if you feel comfortable. It depends, you know, where, where they're at in their life. This would be a hell of a TV edit. Oh yes, yes. Or when it's on TBS and they have to read <laughs> and dub everything. Yeah. That being said, though, I'm very shocked. I don't know if I should say shocked, but I'm pleasantly surprised, maybe where the streaming services are not shying away from being very graphic in all senses, whether it be violence, you know, nudity, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever it is, they're letting everything go. And I'm actually surprised with how free they are with it. I was really surprised at how graphic uh, Army of the Dead was. Army of the Dead, was that the right title? Yeah, yeah. Army of the Dead. Uh, I, 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 it's like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. That is pretty shocking. And there were some earlier drafts that were even more extreme with certain things that they they trimmed because of, uh, well, let's just say the uh, there were rapey zombies. Oh, yeah, I didn't uh, need to see that. Yeah, no, I was going to say like a, like a decade ago when it was uh, someone else was going to direct it, they they spilled all the details. It's like, yeah, you know, they want a human zombie hybrid. And uh, to, I swear that because they dropped that and never thought to rework the rest of the parts that are still in there that's why they, they there's like a whole chunk of the movie where it's like the the alpha zombie has like those three human women and it's just like oh yeah he comes from them one by one and it's like you never really explain that i'm thinking that's left over from that oh. horrific event draft hmm. and then they just never really it's just oh he's gonna kill them yeah, yeah. everyone will just assume that yeah i thought he was gonna turn them to make another queen mm uh yeah see i thought he was going to turn lily to turn make her into another queen towards the end when yeah. he has she's like speared into the wall yeah that's gruesome that army of the dead though i mean that was originally supposed to be theatrical that was warner brothers sold it off to netflix because of pandemic issues so that an army of the dead was stuck in development hell since because I, I think that was originally like a spiritual sequel to his dawn of the dead remake oh yeah. really oh okay i did like the dawn of the dead remake i enjoyed it Oh, I love that. And I think the key is I, I, I wish he had James Gunn on this one because if he had James Gunn working with him again, I think it would have been more fun and irreverent. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I, I like his films. Uh, one of my favorites of his is Slither. Yes! Yeah. Uh. Just a, a great homage to those old universal small town getting hit by a meteor. What I'm there. Just... <laughs> I'm set. And then some really great surprising stuff. Um, another genre, uh, sliced in half people. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because the alien does slice the guy in half. That was an interesting effect. Yeah, that's, that's another one where, but that's that's the one where you're going to go where now apparently people getting sliced in half, the uh, the upper echelon is the, is the ghost ship, the opening of ghost ship. Everybody talks about that nonstop. If you go online, you look up anything, it's yeah. opening a ghost ship. Oh, yes. 
probably the most memorable part of the whole damn movie. Well, that's yeah, that's the other problem. <laughs> oh, well, that's like uh, Bone Tomahawk. Everyone looks up that one scene of of a guy getting sliced in half again. <laughs> what is this with this? Oh, another heads uh, movie, uh, Pulp Fiction. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Poor Marvin. Yeah. yeah. Although they sometimes they say he's got no head, but then you see him and he's got a head. It's like, are you exaggerating or? Because <laughs> he clearly has one. Well, yeah, but you know, just because he has one doesn't mean they can't blow it off. Uh, that's true. That's true. It's just <laughs> so, some flaws. Would have gotten blown off again if he got to see Dread. This is going to be the offshoot. We're going to have to find a you know list of films where go to head explosions and, and build a whole list now. Uh, there's probably a a, a sub IMDb listing. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, because almost like everything cars. If you just want to find out what car is in an old movie, there's a whole list of cars from movies. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh yeah, there's even a like a firearms data, like internet firearms database or movie firearms database or something where they they basically like, oh yeah, that gun was from here and yeah, aircraft, um, everything. Yeah, but you know what? Now that I think about it, it's just one of those things like. We were just talking yesterday, again, also with Frank about the idea of like trying to go to see movies that you don't know what they're about. Mm -hmm. If I know a good head explosion is coming, then it's going to ruin it. I'd rather be surprised yes. and shocked that it just comes out of nowhere. Yes, yeah. And I always want to be surprised uh, when I'm in a theater. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> when I'm watching a movie. <laughs> I don't want to be surprised <laughs> in a theater. Yeah. That's, that's a whole other genre that we really should leave alone. Yeah. And, and that's what I, I like about Dread, too. It's because it's, you know, it's, it's plowing a field that's been plowed before i mean it's basically a cop you know yeah kind of a rogue cop and then there's bad rogue cops and there's conspiracy and all this stuff and the bad guys and the good guys are working together but uh, i like what it does uh almost on every level of design wise and story wise and the characters all are doing things that i'm not expecting and that's uh and like you said it just keeps moving just keeps moving that's interesting though you say that too though because i for for a good long i was watching it i came to a point where i'm like you know what i'm glad they're not doing like there's a section of bad judges and then, mm -hmm. <laughs> then yes. they show up yeah but it doesn't linger on it it's no, just no. It's there for a little while it's like a bump in the road it doesn't become like this giant new sort of like undertaking they need to go like we have to expose these corrupt judges and take care of mama it's like no, they're they're taken care of pretty quickly and and pretty brutally. Yeah, and you kind of sort of expect that they're on every case. Like there's bad judges on every case. It's just something you got to deal with uh, while you're pursuing whatever your judgy goal is at the moment. Judgy goal is another song from the musical. Judgy goal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> judgy goal. Well. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about Dread and bringing more light to it. Hopefully more people will go out and catch it now that we, we we're going to put this out in the world. Yeah, I recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Um, Carl Urban is great. The whole cast is great. You know, it's, I don't think you could get those people back together to make another one. It's just so great cast. Time capsule film. One of those, uh, I, you know, there's so many like that where you go, wow, that would have been a great series, but this yeah. is all you get. So enjoy that. But when that when that series hit, we'll everybody will come back and listen to this and say we we predicted it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun to talk about. Thanks again. Stay safe.
You too. Thank you, Trace, for, for joining us. It's, it's, it was fantastic to be able to talk to the film about the film with him, uh, you know, and anything with him. You know, we, I know we went off on some broccoli and pizza uh, rants there and Zack Snyder rants, uh, but yeah, I mean, I wanted to to talk to Trace. Or just just wait until everyone gets the Snyder cut of this episode. I mean, there's a lot we're not showing you here, people. Warner Brothers won't let us. We didn't have the printing press ready. Is the problem. That's the thing. Or the, the, papers, we, the papers are not available to show. All the CRT monitors were down. The printing press was broken. Uh, someone called out sick that day. But, you know, the, again, this is just two for two. Uh, sort of one of those meet your heroes moments because it was just really cool not only to get Frank, but also to get Trace yeah, on, yeah. on the show. And just, again, you know, it's, it's even cooler thinking about the madcap antics that they do, like even just as the mads or as they did on Mystery Science Theater. But then you get to really talking to the guys and it's like, it's so much better. Like there, there's some people that can make or be always being on interesting. And then there's some people that aren't afraid to be people. And I think feel like that's what we got with these last two. Oh episodes. yeah. With still being on a little bit, you know, humor's still there, but yeah, it's not oh, yeah. trying to be a character. And but, just his knowledge of the comic too was really yes. cool to hear. And it was great to have like a fan's perspective as not only having one adaptation, but two of a work that, you know, you're familiar with. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I never read the comic, uh, you know, and it's, it's what, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, in even now, even as we're becoming infatuated and suffocated by these superhero movies, these comic book characters, people in the mainstream are now more familiar with names they never heard before. But even when the original Judge Dredd came out, even when the original Blade came out, and I say original Blade because we will get the new Blade soon, um, you know, people didn't people didn't know even know there were comic book characters. Uh, and, no. and, you know, so yeah, so to have somebody who is knowledgeable about the original source material on this is great. Well, also just some people probably don't still don't know that Blade yeah. is a Marvel character. Like they when that uh, when the new reboot was announced, they're probably like, "Whoa, what Blade?" And it's like, "Well, yeah, it was a very experimental era in in Marvel's IP, and they were allowed to do so much more with this character." And then another funny thing is, we almost got Morbius like twenty something years earlier because he was originally supposed to be at the end of Wesley Snipes' Blade. Yeah. But now we get Jared Leto's Morbius, and and you know maybe that's just. Well, we'll see. You know, we're not going to say Maybe anything now. We'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait and we'll see. But more importantly, let's let's you know we got to we got to talk about dread because oh, yeah, we got to talk about dread. I, think I have a question for you. Five more episodes in. <laughs> I have a question for you. Because of all the films we talked about so far, whether you'd seen them and I haven't, or I have seen them and you haven't, no matter what it is, or we both saw it. You know, we always do these refresher screenings, and it seems that we're always either rediscovering or re-remembering something that we hadn't thought about when we first saw the film or haven't thought about in a while. Was there anything fresh for you in preparing to talk about the film? I don't think there was. And the only reason I say that is because I had rewatched Dread like maybe a month or two ago. Okay. And it's one that I've, I've frequently sort of come back to every now and then when I want to throw something on in the background because I can listen to Carl Urban dish out justice any day of the week. I could listen to Olivia Thurby or, or Lena Headey. Like even Domhnall Gleeson's like pipsqueak American accent. 
like also that's something that we we neglected to mention is this is like early Domhnall Gleeson like before anybody really knew Domhnall Gleeson and he they still hired him as like these American roles I will say about Donald that I find it funny I didn't even think about it because he has when when Alice Garland made his official I guess you want to talk about directorial debut or when when Ex Machina came out Donald's in there but then you forget he's also in this He's also in Never Let Me Go, which Alex Garland wrote. And I'm wondering if there was this, Alex even noticed it, like, oh, I really like that guy, so let me put him in Ex Machina. Or was it just happen happenstance that he's connected to all these Alex Garland projects? And let's not forget his father, Brendan Gleeson, was in 28 weeks, 28 days later. Correct, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, 28 days later. Yeah. I mean, I, I would almost put Dread in a similar camp as 28 days later in the sense that I really can throw it on in the background and just... And okay. just and 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 engross in it, and just I may be working, but every now and then I'll just look up, and you know it's the hot shot scene, or it's Mama's uh, crowning moment towards the end of the film. Well, you know, or maybe decrowning. <laughs> also, Lena Headey. Just the more I watch of Lena Headey outside of Game of Thrones, the more I'm like, you guys kind of. For well, most of the time, they. they the, most of the time they they used her her talents correctly but then yeah. you get to those last couple seasons and it's like well now i'm just really even more angry that you well, we, you that's have definitely to. something we're not gonna we're not gonna offshoot into talking about game of thrones at this point you no, know whether, but, whether or not we have characters and actors that are that are crossing over but you know there's the, you know and also it's i feel weird talking about it sometimes too because but it's you know the 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 perp that they're carrying the whole around the whole time is wood harris who for anybody who's seen the wire there you go. There's your Avon Barksdale, right? And it's, it's always weird seeing him in anything, not anything other than The Wire, but sometimes seeing him in certain roles that are along the same lines of Avon, but he's not the king like Avon was. He's the underling. And it's just like, Avon can't be the underling. What's going on here? It's just, it is another one of those casts where you look back on it and it's like, wow, I didn't know how stacked this movie was. And what's also funny is Matt Berry's theme from Snuffbox is in here. I did not notice it. If you go back to Domino Gleason's character, it's playing while he's on the computer in like two <laughs> different scenes. Like, is he watching Snuffbox or is it just... He's just listening to it. Like it was, uh, they literally just use it as background music and it was released as a single. Interesting. Very interesting. Um... Okay, I don't, I've never asked this for you. A little, small, small tangent because... Okay. We, we may have to break our rule for this. Are you a fan of Snuffbox? I am not not a fan of Snuffbox. It's not the it's not the British comedy that I watch the most of. Well, no, that's probably Peep Show for you. <laughs> yeah. I know you. I'm obsessed with Peep Show. I but will I watch Peep say, Show like, constantly. Probably... Here's the thing: we talk about putting things on in the background, and even I'm, I may talk about putting it on the background, but I'm still watching it. But I am that kind of guy who put on Peep Show put on Black Adder, put on IT Crowd, you know, those are like them along with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, probably, yeah. If I have nothing I can think about to put on, I need something on, one of those four is probably going to be on. Yeah, just because it's uh, uh, back in my office job, there was a website that had like full audio tracks of movies and I pulled like Casino, Sneakers, uh, American Psycho. I would listen to them while I was working, and just it, when you you know you love a movie, especially with like Casino and American Psycho. Well, all three of those that I mentioned, I love, but especially with Casino, I noticed 
there's a rhythm to the movie that you just wow. kind of fall into. And word, I think I'm going to throw that on the list because that's that's an overdue. As far as Scorsese's concerned, I think that's an overdue rental. But Scorsese didn't direct Dread. Again, what would Scorsese's Dread look like? All right, not I'm not going to go off on another tangent. But since you just said it, I think Scorsese's overdue rental is Hugo. Yes. Now, yes. Oh, that's one, that's another one. That is another one for sure. On to Dread, though, and I got to ask you because. Again, for people listening, they couldn't see it. But when I brought up the whole final line, I saw out of the corner of my eye, because I'm not looking directly at the computer, I'm looking at the camera, I saw you get excited. So you had that same feeling as I did, right? Yes, because it's just, all right, so you've, we've already established the character of Dread as this no-nonsense badass. You do not see his face, but you, he shows you everything you need to know about him through his, how he comports himself and through how he speaks. And for the movie to end on such a button. And then it also helps that one of my favorite tracks from the score of this is called She's a Pass. Oh, okay. I didn't, yeah. just literally linked to that moment because he's like, she's a pass. And then it just goes to that beautiful like credit track. It's like this movie does not waste any time. Like if you, it really is a comparative study on how to adapt a comic when you look at this and the I think it was ninety five dread, like yeah. that Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dread is very much palace intrigue and how we think comic book movies should be made because you can tell it's very much a Tim Burton's Batman seriousness but sort of later Schumacher Batman sensibility like humor like you put. Rob Schneider in there, and it's like, ooh, ooh, da, da, da. yeah. And honestly, I I think uh, Stallone does the the future cop act much better in Demolition Man. Sure, and, but but Judge Dredd is Judge Dredd is okay. Dread was a barn burner for me, like just between the action and completely throwing away the silliness and being very an R-rated comic book movie. Like you look at 2012 again. Avengers and uh, an amazing Spider-Man were were like reigning in the box office and we were very much seeing comics move more and more into popular PG-13 rated tax shelters and I'm sorry investments not tax shelters (laughs) and then you still have people that are like okay but what if people want an R-rated thing and what if they want this comic that's sitting here that's you know not a Marvel well I you know just going back, I want to go back though to that line though, because I love for movies that are all thinking about whether they have them or not, the one liners, the hot shot line, all that stuff, you know, like where it's in fun. The double meaning behind that line has a lot more presence in this type of film than it does, that, you know, than, than it normally would be for just something that's made for quote unquote pure entertainment. Because it is very much like that idea. I mean, we talked about it with Robert Wool. You know, the idea of the closing of Network. You know, it's 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 one of the, the best closing lines of dialogue, even though it's a narration in essence, that ever existed. Like it fits up there with that because it is a play on words, but it's not in that cheeky manner of it. It's in very much a serious place it's coming from, and I appreciated it so much when I saw it. I'm like, damn, that's that doesn't deserve to be in a movie like this, even whether you like it or not, that almost doesn't deserve to be in a movie like this. It's too good. Oh yeah. It absolutely sells the, it sells the narrative and it sells the world of it. And in a lesser version of this film, 
that's just thrown in as like a cute little it's the end you know we're we, we, we can we can take the foot off the gas a little bit it's the ending of the movie yeah, but yeah. it's like this not for what this movie does not let up for one second and is always sure of itself and just the confidence that is exuded by this film i i really am sad that this is one of the best examples of a modern overdue rental and with that it's time for you listener to cross dread 2012 dread off your overdue mm-hmm. rentals list i'm matthew shuckman mike reyes mike if people need to find us where can they find us where can people find us they can find us at on twitter at rentals overdue on facebook at overdue rentals on instagram at overdue rentals show on tiktok to be determined and if you want to send us a line drop us some mail you can always send a message to overdue rentals at gmail.com thank you very much for joining us mike as always great talking to you ah pleasure to talk to you matt i hope it's not too long before we meet again yeah in, in less than 24 hours i'd say oh in that case bye-bye bye-bye